Good morning, Cornerstone. Welcome to our online service. And I want to thank you for being with us this morning. And you join us in the midst of our Christmas series that we've been doing as we lead towards uh, Christmas. And folks, what we've been looking at is the, the real situations that the characters of the nativity story found themselves in. Up and down the land for many, many years. Sadly, not this year. But for many, many years in schools and nurseries and in churches, we've seen the wonderful, cute nativity stories with the kids all being dressed up with their tea towels on their heads and dressing gowns on and glitter in their hair and kids being proud that they're Mary and Joseph and, and dressed up as a star or even as a, as a donkey. We see that everywhere. And often what we find is that that becomes the betrayal of what occurred when Jesus was born. When the reality is that Jesus was born into real brokenness. Jesus was born into a real situation. Jesus was born amidst people who had difficulties and had problems. And what we've saw over the last few weeks, we saw the, 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 the different characters and what was going on in their lives and how God intervened in the midst of bringing about his son into the world. A few weeks ago, we saw Zachariah and Elizabeth. Last week, George took us through the, the, the whole impact on, on Mary, that young virgin girl, finding that she was pregnant. And this week, we're going to be looking at Joseph. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading from verse 18. Matthew 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. How could it be? This baby in my arms, sleeping now so, so peacefully. The Son of God, the angel said. How could it be? Lord, I know he's not my own, not of my flesh and not of my bone. But Father, let this baby be the son of my love. Father, show me where I fit into this plan of yours. How can a man be father to the Son of God? For all my life I've been a simple carpenter. How can I raise a king? How can I raise a king? He looks so small. His face and his hands, they're just, just fair. And when he cries, the sun, it seems to disappear. But when he laughs, it shines again. How, how could it be? Father, show me where I fit into this plan of yours. How can a man be father to the Son of God? For all my life, I've been a simple carpenter. How can I raise a king? How can I raise the king? Joseph, 
one of the main characters in the nativity story but for some and in some sense for many seems just like a bit part player it's like whether he was there or not surely everything that had been planned and surely everything that went ahead could have happened without him yes he's mentioned isn't he it, it sort of rolls off the tongue mary and joseph mary and joseph but if we're honest we often see mary as being the main one see joseph is often the forgotten character of the nativity story but he shouldn't be he shouldn't be folks this morning i want us to see that Joseph is not just a bit part player. That the circumstances for him were heavy and they were hard. And that God the Father deliberately chose him to be the earthly father of the Lord Jesus. And I want us to see his response to his circumstances. His response to the promises of God and his faith in Jesus are vital to the nativity story and not only vital to the nativity story vital to redemptive history so there are four things i want us to see as we look at this this morning the first is this that there was a brutal problem the second is that he received divine direction number three he displayed biblical masculinity and number four it was all about Jesus. So number one, there was a brutal problem. Verses 18 and 19. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. You've got this guy, Joseph. He's betrothed. He's engaged to this, this uh, young lady called Mary. And it was during this engagement, and in the Jewish culture, an engagement was practically a marriage. It was effectively a marriage. And once betrothed, there would be this time of waiting. So between Joseph and Mary, there would have been this time of waiting where Joseph was preparing the home, was getting things ready. But also, it was a time of testing and proving loyalty and integrity and chastity um, towards each other. And, and for each other. Now after that there would have been a ceremony, then there would have been the consummation of the marriage, and then all the fruits of marriage would have been enjoyed by Joseph and Mary. Now folks, it was during this waiting time of betrothment, this waiting time of engagement, that Mary finds herself pregnant. And Joseph knows, he knows, that he is not the father. Because he was a just man, verse 19 tells us, what does that mean? That he took seriously the law of God. That he followed the law and the customs. So there was no way during this time, this waiting time, that he would step in to engage with Mary in any sexual way before they were married. He was a just man. See, he knew that the, a DNA test wasn't needed. It couldn't have even happened, but he knew he was not the father and it was during this time of waiting and Joseph is faced with this world-crushing heartbreaking brutal problem 
the woman that he loves, the woman that he is betrothed to, the woman that he is planning to spend the rest of his life with and bring up a family has found herself pregnant and he is not the father. What does he do? What would you do? But folks, the problem gets more brutal than even that. See, because Joseph, verse 19, is a just man and he takes the law of God seriously, he is also weighed down with the realization that for Mary there are going to be major consequences because she is now pregnant with another man's child as far as he is concerned. And not as far as he's concerned, the whole community is concerned. Folks, there were serious problems for unfaithfulness. When you read in Deuteronomy, what you see are the consequences of this unfaithfulness. Now, folks, we're going to read this and we're going to think that seems totally over the top. But what it shows is the seriousness of faithfulness within marriage. It shows the seriousness of faithfulness that within marriage that is a display of the faithfulness of Jesus towards us. Let me, let me read you some of the consequences that Mary was facing. In Deuteronomy 22, verses 20 to 21, that if a woman is found not to be a virgin when she comes to marry her betrothed these are the consequences but if the thing is true that evidence of virginity was not found in the young woman then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house and the men of her city shall stone her to death with stones because she had done an outrageous thing in israel by whoring in her father's house so so you shall purge the evil from your midst and folks, the consequences, not only for Mary, but for the assumed man that had engaged with Mary to cause her to become pregnant. If there is a betrothed, Deuteronomy 22, 23 and 24, if there is a betrothed virgin and a man meets her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry for help, though she was in the city, and the man, because he violated his neighbor's wife. So you shall purge the evil from your midst folks the problem of finding out that his betrothed was pregnant got even deeper when he began to realize the consequences that the one that he loved was facing see as far as joseph was concerned mary was guilty of this and as far as joseph is concerned god is clear and the law is clear so what does he do what does he do See, folks, what comes with being righteous, what comes with being a righteous man or a righteous woman does not mean that it cannot come with mercy. It cannot come with mercy. Can I just remind every single one of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ that Jesus is righteous, God is righteous, but Jesus is also merciful. It is according to the mercy of God that we are who we are. It's according to the mercy of God that he doesn't kill us on the spot but no, rather forgives us in and through the giving of his own son. Now what we see here is Joseph, a righteous man, who lives according to the law of God and seeks to follow him faithfully. But we also see that he is merciful in the midst of that. So rather than bring this public accusation that would bring brutal consequences for Mary, no, he resolves to divorce her quietly. Now it required the divorce. Such was the seriousness of engagement. 
Such was the seriousness of betrothal, it required a divorce, and Joseph resolved to do that quietly. He faced a big, big problem. And in the midst of that brutal problem, Joseph shows mercy. But this relationship, this relationship that he thought that he was going to have for the rest of his life, as far as he was concerned, was coming to an end because the woman that he loved had been unfaithful. And as far as he was concerned, she was now carrying the child of another man. Joseph was faced with a brutal problem. Number two, but in the midst of that, he received divine direction. Folks, as much as the problem that Joseph was facing was heartbreaking and brutal, he knew what he was going to do. How he was going to go about it. He had made his mind up. He had a plan. So he went to bed knowing what he was going to do. Even though his life had taken a completely new course of direction because Mary was pregnant. Now the reality is this, that was completely true for Joseph. But the course of direction that he thinks his life is going to go when he puts his head on the pillow is going to be very different when he wakes up the next morning. See, what we read there is that during the night, an angel of the Lord visits Joseph in a dream, verses 20 to 21. And in the midst of that dream, the angel of the Lord says six things to Joseph. Number one, he calls him Joseph, son of David. Number two, he says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Number three, he says, the baby that she carries has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. Number four, she's going to have a baby boy. Number five, you will call his name Jesus. And number six, he will save his people from their sins. Folks, the first one, the angel refers to Joseph as Joseph, son of David. See, Joseph would have understood that, that, that everything that came after that was in line with that title that he had been given by Joseph. What is going to be said to you is going to make sense because of the family line, Joseph, you are part of. See, folks, if you look at the beginning of chapter 1 of Matthew, Matthew begins his gospel with this genealogy, the, the, the line of the Lord Jesus, all the way back from Abraham, right through David, from David, all the way to Joseph, of which Jesus becomes the son of Joseph. Folks, what we see here is a reminder to Joseph that he is part of the royal lineage of King David. And Joseph would have known the promise that had been made to David and to Samuel that from his offspring, from his line, one would come who would sit on the throne and reign forever. Joseph, the son of David, these promises are now coming to pass. Number two, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Joseph, Mary hasn't been unfaithful. You have nothing to fear. What you assume is not true. And the cause of action that you are considering is, is not needed. She's going to need a husband. She's going to need you, Joseph. Don't be afraid to take her as your wife. Number three, the baby that she carries has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
Joseph, God has chosen Mary to carry, give birth to, and be the mother of Emmanuel, God with us. See, Mary is the virgin that the prophet Isaiah promised. The one that you're betrothed to. The one that you think has been unfaithful. No, she is the virgin that God is going to use to, 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 to carry and give birth to and mother the promised Emmanuel, the promised Saviour. And Mary is being chosen because she is a virgin. See, in order for him, this boy, to save his people from their sins, he needs to be perfect. He needs to be sinless. And the tainting of sin comes on humanity because we are all born into Adam. So the promised Messiah and King has to be born of a virgin. And Joseph, number, number four, this baby that she's going to have is going to be a son. It's going to be a boy. It's a baby boy. The promised son of a virgin who will be fully God because he is conceived by the Holy Spirit, but he will also be fully man. He'll be a boy. He will be a human boy. A boy who is fully human, who will cry, who will laugh, will fall over, who will grab onto your leg, who will understand what it is to be a child growing in the context that he is born into. The baby that she carries is conceived by the Holy Spirit, and the baby that she's going to give birth to is going to be a boy, fully God and fully man. And number five, you will call his name Jesus. So you will call his name Jesus because he will deliver his people. But Joseph, you will call him Jesus because you will be his earthly father. See, it was the father's job to name the child. Remember a few weeks ago? When the people asked Elizabeth what her baby would be called, and she said his name will be John, and they didn't believe, believe her, so they went to Zachariah and he wrote down, his name is John. Why was that? Because it was the father's job to name the child. See, what the angel is saying here is, you are going to be the father of this child. You will name him. You will be his daddy. You will be his dad. Folks, can I remind you that the first person that Jesus would have said Abba to, the first person that Jesus would have said daddy to, was Joseph. Was Joseph. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary, Mary as your wife. The baby that she carries has been conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will give birth to a boy and you will be his dad. And you will call his name Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. Number six. See, the baby will have a big purpose, which means that you have a significant purpose also in being the earthly father of this baby who was being born so that he can die. And his people will find life in the midst of his death for them. Joseph went to bed with a course of action, clear direction of what he was going to do. And Joseph woke up with divine direction, which was very different. Very, very different. See, he woke up with direction on who he was. Direction on what his purpose was. And a completely new perspective on his 
circumstances. Folks, as God's people, we also have divine direction in the midst of, of brutal problems. See, notice that the angel doesn't spell out all the details for Joseph. He doesn't say, you're going to have to get Mary to Bethlehem. He doesn't say, you're going to have to wander around because there's going to be nowhere for you to, 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 to settle so she can have a child. He doesn't say, Joseph, you're going to have to give, deliver this baby in the midst of all these animals looking over like medical students watching what's going on. He doesn't say that when he becomes a toddler, you're going to have to flee to Egypt because there's an insecure, prideful king wanting to kill your boy. See, the details, the full details aren't given to Joseph, but he's given that divine direction. See, the problems aren't going to get easier for him from this point. If anything, they're going to get harder. But the divine direction of who he is and what his purpose is was crystal clear for Joseph. He was to be faithful to the calling of God and to be willing, despite the circumstances, to be used to bring about God's purpose and to bring about God's glory. Folks, I want to remind us that as we read this story about Joseph, that God also has given us divine direction as his people to love him and to love our neighbor, to love others well. To live our lives worthy of him because he has saved us, he has forgiven us, he has changed us, he has opened our eyes, he has given us a new perspective in the midst of the brutal problems of life. He has also given us divine direction to who we are. Folks, we are not the children of David, but we are the children of God. We're the children of God. And God doesn't spell out all the details of what our lives are going to be. But he gives us that divine purpose to display his glory, that manifold wisdom as the church, to love him and to love our neighbors well. He has given us divine direction into who we are and how we are to live for him. And this is all just like it was for Joseph because of Jesus because of Jesus's coming because of his incarnation because of his purpose because of his death because of his resurrection and ascension that's why Joseph was given the divine direction that's why Joseph was able to step in in some way to the dark but with real faith and light knowing that God was calling him there and that is the same for us. We don't know the details. We don't know the, what's going to be around the corner. But what we know is that we are his children. And he has given us divine direction. He had a brutal problem. And God gave him divine direction. And he woke up and did exactly what the angel of the Lord said. Third thing I want to see is that Joseph displays biblical masculinity this year folks the world has experienced a pandemic that has affected all areas of society including the church the simple fact that i'm sitting here recording this a few days before sunday into a camera is proof of that but let me share with you a pandemic that has ravished the world we live in and is a cancer in the church of jesus christ that is the fatal erosion and, and the ignoring of the biblical definition of masculinity. 
and it being replaced by the toxic cultural spectrum that is causing damage and has been destroying lives and communities for generations. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a husband? What does it mean to be a father? Folks, at one end of the spectrum, it is violence, aggression, overbearing leadership, arrogance and pride. And at the other end, it is passivity and wetness and taking no responsibility. And folks, all those things are not mutually exclusive. See, dads are portrayed as idiots in sitcoms all over the world. And husbands are applauded for leaving their wives, for pursuing relationships with other men by the media because they found themselves and they're being true to themselves. Folks, at one end, it's about being tough and not showing weakness, not sharing your emotions and not seeking help. Whilst at the other end, it's always about how you feel. And it's about allowing your feelings to be the arbiter of truth and allowing them to be the setter of direction, no matter the consequences for other people. Folks, the pandemic is that there is a distinct lack of biblical godly, Christ-like masculinity that the world and the church desperately needs. And what we see with Joseph is a wonderful example of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a father. We see a picture of that masculinity that this world needs. Folks, which is nothing to do with whether you are a cage fighter or you are a creative whether you wear a black trackie or a pink cardi, whether you play footy or you write poetry. No, it's got everything to do with how you respond to God. It's got everything to do to how you respond to who he is, who he says you are, and the direction that he has given you in his word. Men, how does Joseph help us here? How, from looking at Joseph, can we see that display of biblical masculinity that we desperately need to show? I've got a few points. The first one is this. The godly men care about God's word. Joseph was a just man. He, he followed and took seriously the word of God. He allowed the word of God to shape his life. And that's why at one point he's putting his head on the pillow in the midst of righteousness and mercy with a resolve to do what is right because that was what was right according to God's word. He assumed things that weren't right. And that's why the Lord spoke to him again. And what does he do? He responds to that. It changes because God gives clarity and divine direction. See, he responded to what God said, even though that was going to be uncomfortable. The whole issue was uncomfortable for Joseph, but he responds to the word of God. Godly men care about God's word. See, godly men are concerned with what God thinks more than what others think. Folks, he married Mary and brought up someone else's child. Let's call it what it is. And that would have had massive stigma for Joseph. But no, he cared more about what God said than what others thought about him. He cared more about what God thought about him than what others thought about him. Folks, there was no display of him fearing man, but rather fearing God. Men, 
The fear of man and insecurity destroys us. It destroys us. It destroys our relationships. It causes us to make bad decisions. And then we live our lives just to save face or just to justify our existence or just to create something that is comfortable for us or to impress the guy at work or to impress the women at work. See, Joseph cared more about what God thought and God said than anyone else. See, godly men step up and do the right thing even when it's hard. Joseph could have turned round to God and said, it's just too hard. This is going to be too hard. And you know what the response would have been? Yes, it is. And yes, it will be. I have heard countless amounts of times from men who say they love Jesus. This is just too hard. Yes, it is, and yes, it will be. But godly men who love him and his word and his people step up in the midst of it being hard. Joseph had had his world turned upside down and he stepped up. He didn't know the details of all the circumstances of what it was going to look like. But he knew the direction. He had the promises of God. He knew God was going to use him for his glory. And men, women, all of us listening, we all have those assurances. He calls us his children. He gives us direction. He says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He says that he will give us all that we need to walk through the circumstances of the brutal issues that we find ourselves in, whether that's within our marriages or within our relationships or within our final financial situations or with our health. He is with us. And because of that, godly men are able to step up even when it is hard. Godly men follow through and pursue purity. See that in verse 25? What does he do? He doesn't know her. That means he doesn't have sex with her till she's given birth. He marries her. He doesn't have sex with her till she's given birth. Why? Because she's pregnant and she's carrying the, the son of God. See, he follows through on what God asks him to do and he follows through walking to Bethlehem walking through trying to find somewhere delivering that child folks there was no midwife there that would have been him delivering that child he follows through and he pursues purity in the midst of it he didn't dishonor he pursued his sister in christ and he loved and cared for her with self-sacrificial love when she became his wife he creates an atmosphere and a platform for the mother of Jesus to flourish. The mother of Jesus to truly live out being the woman who is a blessed amongst all women. See, godly men follow through and they pursue purity. Purity in their sexual desires. Purity in their relational desires. And purity in following direction in light of God. And godly men are willing to love and invest in children who aren't biologically theirs. Joseph invests in someone else's son. 
Joseph invests in the Son of God. Joseph is willing to bring up that child, to spend time with that child, to teach that child, to cut wood with that child, to show him how to live and be a man. He is willing to invest for the sake of gospel legacy. Yes, he adopts him. Yes, he adopts him. And that is a wonderful thing, whether a man and there are a number in our church who will take in someone else's child and love on them and care for them and protect them as their own. Yes, and that is something that we as the church need to be praying for more and seeing more happen. But I'm not talking about that primarily. I'm talking about investing in the next generation of children, young people, even if they're not our children. Single men who don't have your own children or married men that don't have your own children, you have a responsibility as a godly man to invest in other children for the sake of gospel ministry. And I'm not talking about um, razzmatazz youth clubs or babysitting clubs that have been baptised in Christian cheese. No, I'm talking about living real gospel lives in the midst of the brutal issues that we find ourselves trusting God whilst doing that in the midst of the younger generation displaying this biblical masculinity that the world needs that our children both boys and girls desperately need they are growing up in a world that is so confused that they need clarity on what it be means to be a christian man both boys and girls need to know and see what that is what it is to be a christian man what it is to be a godly man what it is to be a godly husband what it is to be a godly father what it is to Exalt Christ in how you live. What it is to be a selfless man. Folks, our children need to see that. That generation need to see that. And godly men invest in children that aren't biologically theirs for the sake of the gospel. Folks, this world desperately needs. And the church desperately needs men who stick and stay. Men who don't bail. Men who truly love and pray and get on their knees and show dependency towards God. Men who stick and stay. Men who love and pray. Men who don't wilt under the face of adversity. Men who man up. And I make no apologies for using that phrase. Men who man up when things get hard in every area of life. Because they are dependent and trusting God. The church needs men who take responsibility and stand in that gap. Stand in that gap to create atmosphere and platform for others to flourish. Whether that's our sisters in Christ, our wives, our daughters, whether that's our children, whether that's friends, whether that's other men. Men who are willing to take responsibility and stand in the gap. Folks, there is nothing more destructive and disappointing and broken and sad and sick than Christian men who are passive and not willing to stand in the gap. No wonder our world is in a mess when it comes to masculinity. Folks, I heard a story this week of a man who stood in the gap, of a man who lost his job at a young age through no fault of his own and for years couldn't find work. A man who was a husband and a father of a number of children, his wife unable to work. 
And as he spoke this week and he shared that story, he shared how, how he would go to bed and be in a fetal position crying, crying out to God, why has this happened? Come, God, help me. What do I need to do in the midst of a brutal situation? Because he needed to provide, he needed to find a job, he needed to save his family and his children whilst also trusting God. And he talked about how he'd get up in the morning and get showered and go and seek to find work. That he applied for over a hundred jobs and didn't get any. And then decided to go back to university and spend five years in university to improve himself whilst trusting in God in order to get work. And when I sat and I listened to that story, I was filled with love. I was filled with pride because that man who was telling the story was my dad. My dad, my dad in the midst of a brutal problem takes responsibility and stands in the gap and never did he bail and never did he blame God and never did he cause us in any way to doubt the goodness of God in the brutal issue of that problem. No, he stood in the gap and folks, there are stories of other men in our churches who do the same, but there are so many stories of men who aren't. We read this story of Joseph and what we see is this beautiful picture of biblical masculinity in the midst of a brutal problem, hearing the divine direction and responding to it in a way that loves God and loves others well, both those who are connected to him. Folks, the reality is this, if Joseph hadn't have stepped up, if Joseph had not trusted God, if Joseph had not have displayed this biblical masculinity who knows what have happened with redemptive history? Who knows what have happened with Mary? Who knows what have happened with Jesus? Joseph is not a bit part player. Joseph was vital to the nativity story, vital to redemptive history, and is vital to the simple fact that we are here. And folks, this stepping up the seeking of biblical masculinity is not about pulling up our socks. It's about taking the example of Joseph in following Jesus. Folks, G Joseph did all this in light of God because of Jesus. Yes, he was, he was the other end of the cross and the resurrection. We are the other end of the cross and resurrection. But Joseph responds to the promises of God because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, who Jesus is. But because of what Jesus was going to do for him. The baby that he carried is going to be the baby that saves him. The baby that he wiped the tears from is going to be the one who wipes the tears from him. See, this is not about pulling up your socks and manning up in the wrong sense. This is about, pull, this is about looking to the example of Joseph who looks to the example of Jesus and following him. Jesus, the most masculine man the world has ever seen. See, the problem is we try and create Jesus in the image of what we think masculinity is, just to justify ourselves. Men, let us take our eyes off ourselves and look to Jesus and be like him. Let's be like him. Let's be like him and let's look for him in the lives of other men who are displaying this biblical masculinity. Let's imitate them as they imitate Jesus. 
Let us be like him. Let us be masculine like him. Let us be a man like him. And I know, I know, I have sisters watching this. Our wives, our daughters, our friends, who even though they may not be saying it now in the living room or wherever they're watching this, they are shouting in their hearts, Amen, Amen, Amen. The world is desperate for this biblical masculinity. The world is desperate for men to look at Jesus, to follow Jesus. And to create the atmosphere and the platform for those who are around us to flourish. This toxic spectrum of masculinity has done nothing but destroy people's lives. And bring great confusion to the next generations coming through. Folks, men, we have a responsibility to look to Jesus. To see the examples of biblical masculinity and to follow for his glory and for the good of those who are around we see in this story biblical masculinity and finally we see that it's all about jesus it's all about jesus it is the message of jesus that brings about this change this is the promise of jesus that brings about this change it is the promise of the gospel that brings about this change it is jesus who gives purpose and meaning to joseph who gives direction in the midst of the problem to Joseph. It is Jesus who is Emmanuel, which means God with us. It is Jesus that is being carried by the Virgin Mary who is betrothed to Joseph. It is all about Jesus. It's about Jesus who is going to be with Joseph in the midst of that. It's about Jesus who's going to be in the midst of our brutal problems that we walk through. It's all about Jesus in terms of men, what it looks like to live as men. It's about Jesus. And it will be Jesus, Joseph is told, who will save his people from their sins. Folks, that is so significant. Let us not walk over that. Because Joseph, a just man, a man of God, is living under this regime at that time of the Romans. Again, another people group who are oppressing God's people. And the hope was that the Messiah would save them from the Romans. No, he will save his people from their sins. That is the brutal problem. Sin, brokenness, rejection of God. That's why we have a pandemic of, of passive men in the church, because of sin. That's why we have brutal problems and people have no direction in the midst of it because of sin. But this promised baby, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, will save his people from their sins. That is the truth of Christmas. That is the truth of the gospel, that Jesus will come and save. And everything that Joseph does is because of Jesus, his son, his son who will become his savior and who will be and who is his king. Jesus, who is our brother, our savior and our king how could it be this baby in my arms sleeping now so peacefully the son of god the angel said how could it be father show me where i fit into this plan of yours how can a man be father to the son of god for all my life i've been a simple carpenter how can i raise a king how can i raise a king Folks, that's not a song that we sing. 
But some of us are saying, Father, show us where we fit into this plan of yours. He's shown us. We're his children. And he wants us to display his glory to the world through proclaiming him and loving others well. We need all of us in the midst of the brutal problem of sin to see what Jesus has done that brings this direction for us which is to trust him, to put our faith in him, to lay our brokenness and our lives on him, knowing that he has taken all of that for us. And that opens our eyes to a different perspective. That gives us direction. Even though we don't know all the details, he is with us in the midst of this. And we have promises to hold on to. And we have direction of what it looks like to be a man, to be a woman to be faithful, to be honest, to be loving, to be kind, to be Christ-like, to be sacrificial, to be like Jesus. Because the bottom line is this, Christmas is all about Jesus. Life is all about Jesus. Direction is all about Jesus. Hope is all about Jesus. Purpose is all about Jesus. And we see in the midst of the reality of this brutal situation, it's all about Jesus. And it's true for us now and it's true for us today. Folks, if you do not know Jesus, it is only Jesus who can bring you ultimate lasting hope and peace. It is only Jesus who can give you direction. If you're a bloke and you're a fella and you want to figure out what it means to really be a man and you just feel that you're failing, look to Jesus. Look to him. Look how he loved and he cared. Look how he said, let the children come to me. Look how he followed through and pursued purity and healthy relationships with women. Look how he loved his brothers and embraced his brothers. Look how he walked in the midst of weakness. Look how he displayed weakness on the cross. Look how he was dependent upon his father. Look how he was self-sacrificial for the sake of others. That's what it means to be a man, to follow Jesus. That's what it means to live, to follow Jesus. That's what it means to have hope. It's to follow Jesus. Joseph, he's not a bit part player. God deliberately chose him to be the earthly father of the glorious incarnate son of God Jesus and I for one am thankful that Joseph was Jesus's dad let's pray father in heaven I want to thank you and I want to praise you for Jesus I want to praise and thank you that we've seen the story how much the promise of Jesus impacted a man so that man walked in masculinity for the sake of your glory and the good of other people, even though it was uncomfortable. Help us to be like that, all of us, men, women, all of us. I want to thank you, Father, that at this time, this is not just about the glitter and the presence and the family. This is about Jesus. We thank you so much that we are reminded that Jesus stepped into real issues of real people and you used them to bring about your purpose and your glory. And we know, Lord, that that is the same for us. So in the midst of these brutal problems that we find ourselves in life, remind us of that divine direction. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be, whether we're men or whether we are women. Husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, children, parents, grandparents, colleagues, whatever it is, help us to live our lives in light of what it means to be your children. And help us to do that knowing that it's not about us, it's all about Jesus. Jesus, we thank you, we love you, we need you. 
We thank you that you are the one who is Emmanuel, that you are with us and you are with us in the midst of this time. Bless us, keep us, make your face shine upon us and give us that peace that surpasses all understanding. Bless my brothers and sisters, Lord, in the midst of this. Raise up men who love you, who serve you, who will want to be man up and stand in the gap for your glory and for the sake of others in our church and in this world. Help us, we pray. And I give all this to you in the name of him who is the king above all kings, the name above every name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.